Look at these young people. Don't they look good? You know, God's been so good to us. I think that they'd be in agreement with me that this was the best camp year ever. Would y'all be in agreement? It was. I think, I know I got a lot of revelation and things myself, uh, and just the teaching was so rich. Uh, God really blessed us, and so I'm just going to let them tell about it. So, praise God. Do y'all have anything you want to say, too, or? Okay. Two of my favorite things were the water activities they allowed us to do and um, the food that they made for us. And one thing that stood out to me the most was the fact that even though no matter how hard we think that our choices don't matter, that even the smallest choices will come back to bite us in the future. One thing that really stood out to me, this this camp was definitely life-changing. Kind of brought me back in to where too many of us, I'm not going to read the whole scripture because it would take way too long, but 1 Corinthians chapter 2 talks a lot about worldly knowledge. And it talks a lot about how worldly knowledge and godly knowledge are two different things. Too many of us are looking for success in worldly knowledge when you need to be looking for your success and what, what is successful in godly knowledge. Too many of us are living out of our souls in relationships. But the theme of this camp was come together. Too many of us are approaching relationships on what the world says a relationship should, should look like. Too many of us, people are bucking up at us and we're responding with our flesh when we should be responding with our spirit. That's one thing that really stood out to me. Just because the people approach you in the flesh doesn't mean you have to respond with the flesh. Too many of us need to pick up godly love in that situation and respond out of our spirit instead of our flesh. And that takes a renewing of the mind. So you need to, one thing that just really stood out to me is you need to take on godly knowledge and a godly way of doing things and get out of the flesh way of doing things. So this year at camp, the theme was come together. So we were talking about come together for revival. One thing that stood out to me in the service was praying more in the spirit. Dr. Rogan said, there is no revival that has happened without people praying in the spirit. He said, praying is crucial for our lives and for revival. God has set out a plan for all of us. If you want to walk out in that plan, you have to be praying in the spirit because the spirit holds the blueprint to our lives. Man, camp was so good this year. Just sitting in the presence of God, like the peace just just fell over, and unity, like it just felt so good just to be in unity. It's just a different vibe. Okay. <laughs> so one thing that stood out to me was, it says to have a revival, leaders create other leaders, and it was just different for me because usually I hear we're followers of Christ and stuff, but we're leaders create other leaders in this revival. And that's important. So this season of my life is important because I'm going to college and stuff. So God was just telling me I need to be more into him, just stay in the word, and things will be all right. So, yeah, I just have to inspire me just to be after Jesus and be like Jesus. Well, what was really emphasized to me was 
a lot of what Jordan was saying. So I'm going to have to try and follow her. But it's okay. It was really, really emphasized to me how important it is to stay in the spirit and to live your life out of your spirit and not your soul and your flesh man. And it's just so crucial because the more we live in the spirit, the better our whole lives will be and we'll be able to come together better. And Pastor Keith also said that no one gets into revival. No revival has ever happened without prayer. And so it's just really important to pray much in the spirit. And also, blue team won. <laughs> blue team. Um, this camp was my last camp as a camper. And it was just so enriching being able to go and just be into the presence of everyone, just being united together with a bunch of youth that believe the same thing as you. And um, after Pastor Cynthia, well, during her sermon, she taught on the living daily life with Jesus. And the enemy is going to attack your minds, whether you're old or young or middle-aged, whatever age you are, it's, he's going to attack, and especially whenever you're growing closer to God, he's going to attack more. But one thing I got out of her service is that you can either be a victim or you can be a victor. And whether he's going to come every day, but you have to decide for yourself whether you're going to put those thoughts. Those aren't your thoughts. Those are the devil putting those thoughts in your mind that you're not good enough, that you're not going to succeed in life, that you're not going to do well with others. And that's not your thoughts. You just have to cast those down and be a victor over your thought life. So. Um. Something I learned at camp this year was, uh, this was taught by Pastor Alvin Parker, was that life is an open book test, yet some of us are still failing. We need to take the advantage God has given us to open up the word and get and ace that test because there should be no reason why we're failing. It's right in front of us. There's no reason we should fail. Camp this, year, camp this year was great, as it always is. There were so many awesome spirit-filled speakers who really spoke the word into my life. I've grown deeper into the spirit, especially in our Holy Ghost party, which was so awesome and supernaturally great. One thing I learned this year is that we are the revival generation. There's going to be a great revival in our world, and it starts with us. People have to know that there's an awesome God available for them who loves them and wants to be with them. I also learned that we have to have friends that stick close to us like family. We can't just have those mediocre friends we meet at school or in the workplace who are, off, who are off in the world doing their own thing. We have to have friends that are either the same or deeper in the spirit than me. I think, I thank God that I have friends like Rex and Micah who truly love God like I do and cherish his love and his grace like treasure. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, then the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back, 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 to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. I'm so thankful I have good friends here at church who will pick me up when I fall, friends that will stick with me, stick, stick with me behind my back and correct me when I'm wrong. I look forward to next year's camp, which I'm sure will also be spectacular like this year was. I can't wait to see what God has in store for us.
Well, I thank you for what you said. <laughs> have that effect. <laughs> As these people said, the um, theme for this year's camp was come together. And the last night, there was a move of the spirit at the end where you just kind of sat there in awe and in his presence. And I learned, thinking about what I was going to say today, that you come together by staying in his presence. You don't come together by being in, on social media or in the world or wherever worldly pleasure comes from. But And how you stay in the, his presence is by living out of your spirit and not your soul or your, your flesh. And just to stay in that presence, it's more enjoyable than anything else, really. I mean, I'm sure we'd rather be away from our phones and technology, in, but in the spirit, than be in the world with the technology and just just live, you know. I'm just going to get by, just, you know, instead of running a race, having a goal to complete and to live that race and hear well done at the end of it. I'm going to go off a lot of, like, what all these, my friends said, my family. Um, a lot of the, I liked how mo all of the speakers were, like, in the same flow. They either talked about relationships or how we're the revival generation and about how being the, in order to usher in the next revival, we have to come together and we have to make sure that the people around us we can go to them whenever we need prayer, whenever we need lifted up. Because if you are going to the world to find your friends, like, they'll act like your friends. And then you go to them, and you're like, hey, can you help me? I need someone to pray with me about this. And they're like, sorry, I, I'm not really about all that spiritual stuff. And they're not going to help you. And in order to stay in revival and to uh, get to the destiny and the end that God has for us. We have to be together. We have to stay together, and we have to know who our true friends are. And like Faith said, um, revival t no, no revival comes without prayer. And praying in the <laughs> and praying in the Holy Spirit is what's going to help bring in the next move of God. And I believe that the more we pray in tongues, the more the closer knit that this group is going to get. And we'll be able to rely and come to each other whenever we need help. And I just love you guys, and I don't ever want us to grow apart. <laughs> so, like they said, it's about, like, basically it was about coming together and about revival and what it takes to have revival. So I wrote down a lot of quotes that Dr. Keith said. And um, so we are in a revival. And revival is when God invades you. Uh, revival is also when God uh, lives through you. And revival is about praying in tongues. Revival is also about people coming together who belong together. So if you're with people that you don't belong with, there's no way that you could have a revival. There's no way that you could come together, praying in tongues together, worshiping together, and working together with, like, if you don't belong with them, it's just not going to work. You're with the wrong people. It's like, you're with a mismatch, and it's just not going to work out. So that's also what it's about. And we also need to quit trying to fit into an image that's not our own image because 
we're children of God and we are what God says we are. And if we're trying to give ourselves our own image, that's just, that's not what revival is about. So, that's Amen. Revival was a very common theme throughout this camp. And Dr. Keith Rogan, he quoted that we are the revival generation. And he said that we need to affect the generations our churches do because we are the spirit-filled people that need to go out to everybody. And we, revival causes things that, sorry. <laughs> revival causes things that were not in existence to come into existence. And there are five criterias to revival. You have to have hunger for revival. You have to have expectancy for revival. You have to be willing to explore. You have to be willing to obey and willing to change in order for revival to happen. Amen. Um, I got a lot from God. I got a lot from God this summer camp. There were so many people and new friends. Tamika, Nate, Nate. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I feel God in every service. It was so nice not having a distractions for three days and four nights. This, I'm just going to say something. Marcus made this point many times on the car ride from there and back. Our phones are going to be like, they're going to keep us from getting the plan of God in our lives. Marcus said this, um, like, do, do you know how many people probably are not in the plan of God because of a little square device that has, like, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and all those memes? And, and um, okay, um, I learned so many things that I couldn't possibly share in two minutes, but this is a good point. We must step forward and not sit back while God's plan for us just doesn't get filled out because we want the plan of God to get filled out because there is a revival. We are the revival generation, and we have to just step up and be leaders, and we don't want to just, like, stay behind and be like, oh, God isn't going to pick me because of blah, blah, blah qualities. But he made you specifically for this generation. He's not, and God, God's picked you. He's made, he, he has a purpose in your life. You're not just there to sit around and be a log in this great old world of generations, of revivals. And we don't want to stay in one place. Pastor Keith put it in this way. If you don't move into a different room in the spirit, then you're not going to get any new things. It's just going to dry up and the spirit's not going to hit you in any new places. And these are some of my highlights from the last service where Dr. Michael Jacobs with the Holy Ghost Party started. We must explore God. He's not going to make us go forward or backwards in him or in a new room. We have to hunger for his presence. If we aren't hungry, he won't fill us. Because I can't remember where this is at, but let the hunger, God said, let the hunger, let the hungry be filled and the, and the thirst, and the thirsty, be, and the thirst be quenched. For I am filled with living water. Camp this year was amazing. It was refreshing and it lit a fire under my tail. Reconnecting with old friends and meeting new ones was a great experience. Praise and worship this year was moving, and, you know, it's always nice to be healed. I got so much from every night. The Lord spoke to me and gave me guidelines and confirmations on things I should do and questions I've been wanting. Romans 12 and 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed in and by the renewed and changed by the renew of my mind. 
So what that means is you can't just be renewed once a summer and call it a day and let that be. You got to be renewed every day, every night. Keep it on your mind. When something comes against you, you can't just let that. You can't let your flesh override. You got to let your spirit take control. You got to just let it be. You got to just connect and be with people, better people, cut some people off and do do what you came to do and keep your mind focused. That's what I got from camp. I was always told that only a chosen few were leaders. But one thing I got from camp is that we're all leaders and we're all meant to rise up and be part of the life of God. And not just a chosen few of us are meant to carry a message through this world. Camp was camp was great this year. We had we had so much fun and in service we we learned to be in our spirit and not not in our soul. And our soul is the part that makes us just do everything else. Our spirit keeps us on in line with God and and then when you're feeling when you're negative, judge yourself. So when you're feel when you're feeling like you can't do something, well in well God said that you can do anything. So you you can do it. Don't say you can't because you really can. I just wanted to say that church camp was like um super powerful this year and then the one person that stuck out to me the most was um Pastor Caleb Rogan. He said we can never get to destiny living with our history. And basically, uh, I kept on thinking about this, uh, and then I got in a scripture, it was um, Revelation 20, 12, 15, and it said, I saw the dead, the great, and the small standing before your throne, and books open with um, the book of life, and dead were judged according to what they had done as written in the book. And then I was thinking about this, and I was thinking that um, destiny was basically heaven, and we're all just striving to get there. And then our history was our certain nature, which we have to, like, step out of our sin nature and get to, like, the spirit with us to go with God. Praise God. I think we had eight that got baptized. Was it eight? that? Uh, and some of them had been baptized before, but they felt led to go down and be baptized. And I really think that's just a reflection of new commitments that were made in their spirit between them and God during this camp time. And like they were saying, the overall theme was, you know, that the we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be praying in the Holy Spirit. And I think it was um, Reverend Keith Rogan that said, um, your pastor doesn't need to be carrying you all the time. Listen, we've been sitting here long enough. We've been in this <laughs> kingdom of God long enough. We need to come ready. We need to come filled. That's what coming together is about. And when we come in filled and ready, then we're just coming together corporately and God can move in great ways. Instead of our pastor having to carry us and pull us up all the time, we come in ready. So what are you doing? You know, these kids are are doing some new things in Christ. And throughout this year, we see the fruit of that. What are you doing? Uh, one of the things that one of the, I think it was Candace Rogan, she said, Satan will wear you down with daily thoughts. And so I just you want to encourage the, the, the youth. Um, many of you are 
either graduated or going on to, you know, different things and um, just, and even if you're still in high school, but, you know, when you, you know, in the weeks to come, you know, if a thought that is not according to the word of God, then you know that it's from the devil and to just stay in your word and when when we're reading the word, even for adults, you know, we all, you know, struggle with those thoughts, the devil, and he will, that's his only weapon is thoughts. And so when we are in the word and we know what the word says, that's the way we defeat him. And that, and so I just encourage you to just to stay in the word every day so you can renew your mind. Going back to what Rex had said, you know, the last night there was just this awe that came over, and um, I was sitting up front with a whole bunch of them, and I was just watching them, and um, you know, like when a fire goes out, there's still embers burning, they're hot, and I was watching them, and I'm like, these youth are coming up into something new, and there's this heat in them that is going all the way to their core now, and just because there's not a flame. They're still hot, and uh, while I was sitting there watching them, just they were just in such peace, and I know they were getting ministered to. Um, it came up in my spirit about about our youth, and um, there's a fire here, a fire like we've never seen. It's burning hot, and it's white. It'll burn so bright that those who see it will have to turn away, and others that will see it will want that light. There's a light that brings power. There's power in this new generation. The earth will tremble from their power. There's a wave of fire spreading, a wildfire revival, and if you don't get in it, you're going to get left out. There's a power. Things we have never seen will come from this fire. Strong and mighty and great works will be done at their hands. So where will you be? Will you miss it? Will you miss the wave and be left in the cold and the dark? So I just want to, like they were saying, just encourage all the youth. And I'm proud of you. I love all you guys. blessed to see you guys entering in and just experiencing that in yourself and that goes I mean without saying that you don't have to be necessarily at camp to have experiences in the presence of God and so I just challenge you like Sister Stacy was saying stay in the word stay in his spirit it says the camp theme is come together we're coming together in a place in a central location and when you come together it's not you got places all over town you come into a place and that place is not just a physical location but that's his spirit. That's his presence. And so just abide, stay in his presence, stay in the word. And I just look forward to seeing you guys go again. Well, I'll give this back to Dr. Cody, but I just want to say, and I've said this many times, we have the best youth. We have the best youth. We have, God has given us a great youth group. And we even brought an extra one back. Praise God. You guys stay there for just a minute. Pastor Amber, let's come. Congregation, extend your hands towards them and let's, let's pray over them. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just lay our hands as pastors upon these youth. Father, may you just seal forever that which was spoken, that which was received, that none would ever be lost. Father, we bless them. We make a demand on all that you have said to them all that you have put on the inside of them. God, I know that I think it was Pastor or Brother Caleb that talked about being bold as a lion. 
God, I thank you that they'll live bold as a lion over the next weeks and months and next year in the name of Jesus. Bold to live for God. Bold to stay true to the things that they committed themselves to. That they'll keep their oath and their promise to God. We thank you for that revival spirit that rests upon them. That it'll spread to everyone, uh, even us, Father God. That we'll be blessed as we interact with them. God, we thank you that no weapon formed against them or the plan of God on their lives will ever, ever prosper in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, that they shall take and have their place in God in this generation. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, give them a round of applause as uh, they go back to their seats this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. I just also want to echo what uh, Miss Joy was just saying, that I believe we have one of the finest groups of young people uh, here. And they get a lot of credit for that, but you as parents get a lot of credit for that. And of course, our leadership team here. And I want to thank all of the leaders, uh, Melissa, Brett, uh, uh, Joy, uh, Stacy. Uh, all of the others, the fundraising, everything that went on during the course of the year to make that possible. Uh, we are so grateful. If you have someone ages really, uh, well, get them involved. Get your children involved uh, in our youth ministry from birth. You know, we showed up in Paducah. Our oldest daughter, Faith, was nine months old. And she has been a weekly part of the life of this church. She's experienced the full gamut of it. Uh, praise God, all those years, and it produces great fruit. Amen. Keep your kids vitally connected to the local church. And uh, our youth meet, of course, on Wednesday nights. And make that, parents, make that a commitment. It's more important than t-ball, volleyball, wrestling, baseball, football, anything. Uh, that they get that impartation and that foundation from God. And uh, they need the fellowship. They need the fellowship. Uh, there's an abundance of wrong, like one of the you said, mediocre. There's an abundance of mediocre fellowship out there. And uh, invest something eternal in your kids by putting them around right fellowship. Uh, amen. We've got standards of, of conduct and, and life in our youth group, and uh, it's a safe place for them to be. Amen. We're excited about that. Well, we have just a few minutes, and I'm not, believe, I don't, I'm not a believer of getting a group together and wasting any time. And uh, praise God. So let's, let's go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And I wanted to, as you're going there, re-quote something. We've been in uh, the beginning of a series on Sunday mornings called You Hold the Reins. Anybody uh, taken part in the last two services? Has God been stirring you up? Praise God. I hope so. Have you been learning some things? Uh, so the series title is, You Hold the Reins, like a rider on a horse would hold those leather straps and, and steer it. And of course, yes, God is high and sovereign above, but God has delegated authority to us on this planet. And uh, we, we read some foundational scriptures we won't take time to read today, but Genesis 1 says that man was made for dominion. You and I were made for dominion. And if we don't know that and begin to operate in that truth, then we will be dominated. Amen. God is never going to take back what He has given. 
and authority that is not walked in is no good. It's no good. And you could be uh, a king in the mind of God, and you are. A queen in the mind of God, and you are. Amen? And live like a slave, which you are not. But you can live like a slave. A slave not only to the devil, uh, but you could live a slave to your own flesh. Where your flesh was in charge. Or like the kids were saying, your soul is running the show. When God wants your spirit, the part of you that is like Him, Amen. Uh, to be running things and dominating things. So we don't want to let sin have rule or dominion over us either. And so let's just take a moment. We have about 10 or 15 minutes and, and stir ourselves up about this truth. Praise God. But let me read that quote to you. Brother Hagin said uh, when he was on the earth, and it goes along with what the kids were repeatedly saying, that we as a church have authority on the earth that we have never yet realized. Authority that we are not using. A few of us have barely gotten to the edge of that authority. But before Jesus comes again, now notice this, there's going to be a company of believers. You could say a generation or a group of believers who will rise up with the authority that is theirs. They will know what is theirs and they will do the work God intends for them to do. And, uh, you know, uh, that could be us of any age. Amen. Not just the the youngest uh, people, but I I believe God is going to use the younger ones. That God is going to, they're going to get it like others have not gotten it. Uh, Of who they are in Christ, what belongs to them because they're in Christ. And they're going to rise up and just not be limited by religion or doubts or a lack of example or the failure of others. But they're going to rise up and do the works of Jesus. Come on, amen. I think we ought to all be striving for that. Hallelujah. To not realize that God has given us authority in this life is to sentence yourself to live less than. I don't want to live less than the life that God has authored for me. And it's a privilege to have authority. What is authority? Authority is delegated power. Amen, isn't that right? It's delegated power. Or authority could be thought of this way. It is the right to command. Well, our authority is only as good as the force behind it. Well, what is the force behind the believer's authority? God Almighty. That's what makes it so miraculous. So awesome. Is the force that stands behind the believer's authority is the throne itself and the one who sits upon it. For it is Him, our Lord, our King, that said, All authority is given unto me. Go ye therefore. Meaning in my name, right? Go ye therefore. And so the one who gained all authority for Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, has delegated that authority to you and me. And we must learn to use that authority skillfully. Here in Mark chapter 4, beginning with uh, verse number 35, it says, And the same day, when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Do you see that? Verse 35 of Mark 4. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took even uh, him as he was in the ship, and there were with him also other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the, we, uh, the waves beat into that ship, into the ship, 
so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship or the back of the ship. What was he doing? Asleep on a pillow. God's people, let me extrapolate something here out of this story. God's people, amen, serving him, going where he said go, encountered a great storm. A storm that threatened their lives, their very lives. This is how serious this can get. It was threatening their very lives. What was their God doing? He was inactive, asleep on a pillow. Is that a reflection that Jesus didn't care? That's what they thought. That's what they thought. Let's keep reading. He was asleep on a pillow in the back part of the ship, and they awoke him. So notice, he didn't, they awoke him. He would have just stayed right there. They awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not? Or I would say, don't you care that we're dying? We're in the process of dying. <laughs> not a lot of faith there. Not a lot of faith there, right? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now this is all inspiring that Jesus demonstrated dominance over the earth and the material elements, creation, storms, wind, and waves. They listened to Him. But listen, you know, they provoked Him into this. This intervention of Jesus was not a sovereign act of a loving God. They awoke Him. They begged Him. They accused Him. Don't you care? This was an act of His mercy. This was an act of God's mercy. And God did what God can do. He rebuked the wind. He rebuked the seas. And if you stopped right there, if you didn't read any more of the passage, we would just say, oh, thank God that He just decided to do a God thing and to help us. Otherwise, we would have died. And if we would have died, if He'd have just stayed asleep, well, that would have been His decision. And it would have just been His mysterious will that all of us go down to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee we don't know, but God had some sort of mysterious plan in it. That's how people think. But if you notice, the passage continues, doesn't it? And the moment after things calm down and the storm ceases, verse 40 says, He said unto them, Why are you afraid? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, why did he accuse them of not having faith? Well, number one, because they reacted in fear. You know, hey, when, when you find your life threatened, fear, you might think, is a natural response. But you better resist it. You better resist it. And you better get yourself in faith. Faith is for when it counts. Faith isn't just some pretty little thing we talk about in church when everything's fine and then we fall apart when the heat gets hot, when the pressure's on. Faith is for the battle. Faith is for when you face death, sickness, disease, bankruptcy, tragedy, accident, harm. Amen? When serious things are facing you, that is when faith ought to thrive. That is what your faith is for. So number one, they were worthy of rebuke 
because they responded to crisis in fear. Stop excusing your response to crisis if you respond in a worrisome, fear, fear-filled manner. Stop. That's not okay, believer. Y'all with me today? That is not okay. We should respond the way He wants us to respond. He expected them to not yield to fear. And then He says, why, why is it that you have no faith? Well, I believe one, another reason why He said this And really, it's the reason why he stayed asleep, inactive, in the midst of a storm that was endangering his own people, which of course he loves deeply. He was waiting for them to do something about it. You know, Jesus expected those disciples to do something about that. Amen. He he had been with them. He had been training them. This wasn't brand new. They'd been with Him, watching Him for some time. And now the time came where God said, I'm going to let them get a little wet. I'm going to let them face some things. Because really, I've taught them what they need to know by now. They, They know. They have, right? And I think a lot of us, you know, a lot of us have been exposed to enough truth and enough Bible to be doing a lot more and responding a lot better than we are. And we ought to not be okay falling apart. You youth, it ought to not be okay for you to be hot and on fire for two weeks after camp and then you're the same old believer. That you've been going, some of you have been going to camp for eight years, you're fired up for you know, a week and a half. What I want to see out of you is can you sustain that? Come on, can you go out into real life and live a daily flow outside of a concentrated environment and live hot and live separate? That's my challenge to you. I'm so excited and so glad that you had that. Con- we need those times of consecration and, and dedication, undistracted times. But you've got to learn how to cultivate that in the midst of a distracted, filled, chaotic world when you've got all kinds of people your age who don't care anything about what you care about. There are 52 weeks in a year, and I expect you to serve God in every one of them. Hallelujah. I expect some of you to stop running to Facebook, crying and whining about what you're going through, and actually start doing something about it in the Spirit. And instead of it being a prayer chain or a whine and cry forum, that it could be a living, hey, I just want to let you know I was facing something, but I took authority over it in the name of Jesus. And I would just like some of y'all to rejoice with me that God came through. I want to see some of that. It's, it's a shame what Christians put out on social media. The defeat, the crisis, the whining, the moaning, the complaining, the oh, woe is me, the whole pray for me stuff. Come on. I don't know. You guys got, got me stirred up. Praise God. I just, praise God. <laughs> he expected them. He wasn't going to let them drown. And thank God we serve a God. You know, the longer we go, the more He's going to let you feel the heat. Because He's equipped you. We've heard some things. We've been taught some things in this church, in this company of believers that God's joined us to. Amen. And believer, it's time to rise up. It's time to rise up. And understand, I hold the reins. I hold the reins. 
He expected them to do exactly what he did and produce the same result. Jesus would have loved, that's what he wanted, was to continue his nap uninterrupted and one of them out of that 12 to stand up and say, you know what? Our Lord said go to the other side and we are going to the other side and I command this wind in my Master's name to, to call it and you know Jesus would have just, He would have just been later going, they're getting it, they're getting it. Praise God, they're getting it. Instead of Him having to rise up and in His sovereignty bail us out again. He expected them to do something about that storm. Maybe some of you came in today wet from a storm. Wind shear and soaked and battered by wind and circumstances. Well, listen, believer, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about your own bad habits? What are you going to do the next time the devil bombards your mind? Lay there and take it? What are you going to do the next time he puts a a physical attack on your symptoms in your body? What are you going to do about it? Do you know you're authorized to do something about it? I heard a story recently about the great Howard Carter. Wonderful man of God. He was a mentor to, uh, well, he was a father of the pioneer movement. And uh, one of the presidents and founders of one of the greatest uh, Pentecostal Bible schools and. He was a mentor to Lester Sumrall and just did great, great, great things for God. And he spent some, uh, some short stints in prison for his faith. And uh, I heard this story about a time where he was in a, some sort of prison cell somewhere overseas. And he had a cot of sorts to lie on at night with a thin mattress. But he had to just kind of squeeze in there horizontally because the top was just above him. It's like a rock ceiling like a stone ceiling above him. And the, he, so he would lay there with, you know, kind of cat, you know, claustrophobic sounding to me with this rock right up here. And the water was seeping through from above, through that rock. And as he's laying there trying to rest in this prison, the water's dripping on his forehead. And he got irritated. You know, you might get irritated in your flesh if you got sent to prison for your faith and then had to deal with dripping water. And this drip, drip, drip. And this was his testimony. He found himself saying, God, why, would, would you please do something about that water? You know, I am here serving you. You know, that's my words. But would you do something about that water? And he just said the testimony was the Lord thundered right back at him. Why don't you do something about it? Why don't you do something about it? So he just did. He said, water, I command you to cease in Jesus' name. Not another drop of water seeped out of that rock. Not another drop of water ceased out of that rock. See, he did something about it. And this is what so many believers are, they're so sincere, we're sincere, aren't we? But we don't know. 
We don't know. We've not had it taught to us like we should. We've been preached, sadly, churches and pastors, uh, you know, that we're sinners and beggarly. Can't do anything about it. Oh, we just cry out in sincere, in sincere prayer. Oh, Father, help, help us. Oh, if it be your will. And all these kind of prayers. And of course, God does nothing about it most of the time. And then we just ignorantly say, well, he must just not wanted me to have that. I just trust him. You know, they almost have more faith than I would. Yeah. But I'm telling you what, God wants you to do something about it. Amen. Are you with me? God wants you to do something about it. Praise God. Go over to Luke's gospel. You got just a minute more? Praise God. You know, the, the message of the authority of the believer, uh, as I've been telling you the last two weeks, can be and should be perhaps chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, one of the most life-altering, life-changing revelations and truths that you should ever, you should ever get. Uh, praise God. We have authority in Jesus. Did He not give us His name? Jesus said to His disciples before He left, now this is in John, you're here in Luke 10, but He said, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in My name, the Father will do it. The Father will do it. You think about that. Whatsoever you ask the Father in My name. See, our authority comes from someplace. You know, uh, have you ever seen a street cop, maybe in a busy city, and uh, he's got his uniform on, maybe a white glove, and he can stand out there, and he's just a human being, just a human being. But he stands out there with his uniform, his badge, and a white glove, and can stand in the midst of fast-moving traffic, and all he has to do is hold up his hand. And then here comes a semi that could just squash him like a bug when it comes to power to power, if you want to just compare raw power. Yet, the traffic stops. Why? Because the recognition of authority, that we as drivers, we recognize that's not just a man standing in the street. That is the government of the United States of America. That is the there's power behind that uniform, power behind that badge. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he'll just boldly stand out there. And you better come into line. You better, right? And a lot of our, well, I'm not even going to go there. I know we got bad apples in law enforcement for sure. But if, if we as young people would get back to respecting authority and just being compliant with authority... You get hurt when you don't comply with authority. And there's a generation that just needs to go back and learn how to say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, yes, ma'am. And life will go better for you. <laughs> Amen. Look at this in Luke chapter 10. Praise God. Uh, verse number 2, Jesus said, Therefore He said unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. 
Go your way. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes or, uh, and salute no man by the way. Into whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be unto this house. Uh, and if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give or provide. For the Lord is, the labor is worthy of His hire. Go not from house to house. In whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Heal the sick there. Did he say, ask the Lord to do something about the sick? Do you see how you'd be running contrary to what he said? If, you, if those disciples went into a city and said, Oh Lord, I found a sick one, would you do something about it? What did he tell them? Whatever city you enter into, heal the sick there. Well, what do I see in that? What do you see in that? I see I must have authority over sickness then. Listen, we need to close. Time's, time's gone, but... Uh, do you see yourself as one with dominion and authority over sickness? Or are you a victim of it? Hallelujah. <laughs> I refuse to play the victim to sickness and disease. I personally have seen too much from the Bible. And I'm glad for what I've seen. Amen? But I'm not going to let nagging pains exist and stay in my body. I am not okay taking prescription meds to get by. I'm not okay. I wouldn't be condemned if I needed to. But I would have an on it goal. I'm not going to be a lifetime Prozac user. I'm not going to be a lifetime insulin user. I'm not going to be a lifetime blood pressure maintenance user. I have authority over sickness in His name. See, it's not me, but I have a power behind me that's bigger than heart disease, heart trouble, cancer, pain, weakness, failure. Come on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So He said, heal the sick there. And say unto them, the kingdom of God has come near unto you. Think about that. What do you mean the kingdom of God's come near? He meant, because I'm here. Because I'm here. Hallelujah. And see, so you ought to wax bold when this, when this revelation of I hold the reins from God. I'm not God, but I'm an ambassador. You're not God, but you're an ambassador. What does an ambassador do? He represents a foreign power in a foreign land. He represents the homeland. Right? When our ambassador to, say, Australia, well, he doesn't live in the United States. He lives in Australia. But his authority is not Australian-born. His authority is from the homeland. And when he speaks to the Australian Prime Minister... His authority, right? It's as if the president and the government was speaking. But you know what? That ambassador, he has a responsibility. He better say what the president said. He better not say what he thinks. He better say what... And we don't have a right just saying what we think. 
We better be saying what heaven said. We better be declaring what God, the one in supreme authority, we represent Him. And we, got no, we got no right, you know, cowering to things like sickness and disease and oppression and depression and things that are dominating believers today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. He goes on, says, Into whatever city you enter, and they receive you not, go your way. Out into the streets of the same and say, The very dust of your city which cleaves to us, we wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near unto you. You know this, blessed, this, this, this whole region in McCracken County is blessed because we're here? Paducah's not going down, it's not going under, it's going to thrive. It's going to prosper because we live here. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Dufresne would tell me that he'd point his finger at me, the prophet, my spiritual father, and say, you know this place is blessed because you're here? He said, this whole region is blessed because you and your wife are here. And that's scriptural. The blessing of the upright exalts the city. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And it's not just me because I'm a preacher. It's me because I'm a Christian. You know, really, endeavoring to close here, you know, you take the spirit of what God's mindset is, not just the letter, but the spirit of it. Every place that the sole of your foot doth tread belongs to you. That means when you show up, dominion shows up. When you show up, God, the kingdom of God, the realm of God, come on, shows up with you. So wherever you go, what you, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when Brother Dakota walks into a room, Things ought to get, if there are things going on that are wrong, it better start getting right. Y'all either better start carousing and watching that. Because, you know, almost even without saying anything, righteousness comes in the room. It's like Wigglesworth riding a train over in England. And he's just sitting there minding his own business. And people falling on their knees in that car. One of them saying, Sir... You convict me of my sin. Why? Because where he was, there's righteousness. Things ought to not, things, people ought to not just, wrong things shouldn't gravitate and be happening around you because the kingdom of God is on the inside of you and the kingdom of God is righteousness. Yeah. Not unrighteousness. See, we violate who we are when we participate in unrighteous things. When we watch unrighteous programs. When we talk in unrighteous ways. And we make unrighteous decisions. We are violating. We're like an ambassador that's gone rogue. When you come into a room, peace. You shouldn't, we should not add to any drama. When we step in, we ought to calm things down. Where there's an uproar, where people are freaking out. Hello? You ought to bring righteous or right, peace. What was the third? Joy. Right? 
Joy ought to be the flow. Where you go, every place that the sole of my foot doth tread, righteousness, peace, and joy ought to be experienced there. Come on, hallelujah. But see, you're not going to get that here in one sermon. You're going to have to meditate on that, think about that. You know, like a, like a, a cow that chews on a cud. You're just going to have to take this truth and mull over it and mull over it until it, it dawns upon your spirit. And you rise up on the inside and say, you know what, no more. No more. No more drama in my home. My home's going to be a home of peace. It's going to be a home of righteousness. It's going to be a home of joy. Hallelujah. Think about the nourishment our children should be enjoying in a home where dominion and and the kingdom of God is dominating in that home. It's sad. It's one thing for kids to be messed up in the world, in a home in the world. But there's a lot of Christian homes that the kids bear the fruit of that dysfunction. Not to condemn you, but we ought to just be changing things. Hallelujah. Every place that the sole of our foot doth tread. That's what God told Abraham. And we're the seed of Abraham. He said, I've given it to you. I've given it to you. It belongs to you. I'll tell one final story and we'll try to close today. Uh, Brother Hagen uh, was a traveling minister most of his tenure on the earth. And in the 30s and 40s, uh, they didn't have the hotels. We didn't have the hotels in America like we do today. And so he would go and preach for a church and for a pastor. He, he really didn't like to accept a meeting invitation where he wasn't going to be allowed to preach morning and evening for up to six weeks. You can't get people to come out to a three-day meeting. Yeah. But back then they didn't have the distractions that we have today. Anyway, so he would stay in, in the home and he was fellowshipping. He would stay in the home of the host pastor. And he stayed, uh, was staying with a particular pastor, precious man, preaching for him morning and night. And uh, the pastor early on in the meeting at the dinner table got his syringe out and was about to take his insulin shots like many have to do before they eat. And Brother Hagin said, what are you doing? What are you doing? He said, well, I deal with diabetes and, you know, my blood sugar, I, I take an insulin shot before every meal. He goes, you won't have a problem with diabetes while you're around me. I don't allow sickness around me. And the, and the pastor had enough faith to go on that. So he set it aside. And sure enough, for six weeks, I'm guessing, you know, that's, that was the pattern. All the time that Brother Hagen was there, he didn't take one insulin shot, did have one, ins- did not one problem with his blood sugar, no symptoms of diabetes at all. But when Brother Hagen left, within a few days, all the symptoms of diabetes were back, and he had to continue taking his insulin shots. But he learned some things by that experience. And my understanding was he developed his own faith and in short order was off of it completely. But see, don't you thank God for a man? 
who walks in a measure of dominion. So much so that sickness and disease, even in other people, who don't have faith to be healed, as long as they're with around someone that's exercising dominion, that sickness can't hold sway in that person's body. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are the, some of you, I know, I was there, I used to be. Some of you might be hearing some, this kind of thing for the very first time going, is that, sounds, is that real? Listen, I, I'm not a liar. I'm telling you the truth about it. These are testimonies, these are facts. These are things that have happened. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You really, really are. Praise God. Uh, living in His name, Jesus' name, in authority over all the... We didn't get to that verse in Luke 10. Luke 10, 18. But we have been given by God, delegated by Him, authority over all the power of the enemy so that nothing shall by any means... Verse 19, maybe. Praise God. Nothing shall by any means hurt us. But the implication is if you use the authority that you've been given. You see that? Behold, I give unto you power. The Greek word is authority. To do what? To tread. To tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the, all of the ability of the enemy. Don't you love this? So that nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. But he can't take back what he's already given. If you, if you keep, this is what I'm going to teach you. God's already done everything He's going to do about the devil, friend. And if you don't do something about Him, nothing will be done. Nothing will be done. And I'll prove that to you from the Word. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up today. Praise God.